Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So understand, as you went through the book of Acts, was the Christian church different than the world? Well, of course, they were what? Persecuted, beaten. Well, how about this morning in most of the parts of the world? Is Christianity different? Of course, people are being killed every day that call themselves Christians all over our world. So here we are this morning. You shouldn't be shocked and you don't need to be fearful, but we live in a world that's countercultural. It's not for us. We see in the New Testament how Jesus' teaching and life were very different from the culture around him. Pastor Mark will be reminding us that we, as Christ followers, will be living lives different from the popular culture around us. He will be teaching that we need to have a foundation built on Christ rather than something of our own construction. And why? We'll be learning about the difference between hearing faith and doing faith, or walking the walk rather than just talking the talk. We also will be warned about the consequences of false discipleship versus being a true follower of Christ. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark as he begins his message, A Checkup of Our Life and Marriage. Well, we're finishing, Jesus actually is finishing the Sermon on the Mount. We call the Sermon on the Plain because it's a shorter version. And there was one word that Jesus used all through this teaching. It's the word different. He was saying to the disciples that were there, your lifestyle, if you obey what I'm teaching you, you're going to be very different than the religious people, the people that go through forms and rituals, whatever, but they don't really know me, and very different, of course, from the irreligious. So as we begin to work through that, here we are in the United States in that kind of time. You see, as you now observe, you understand this morning that America is no longer a Christian nation. It's a post-Christian culture. You understand that. doesn't mean there's not lots of Christians, but the culture itself is really anti-Christian. And that shouldn't surprise you, really, because when you look at the real world, even from the time Jesus came, when Jesus came and announced himself to the religious church, the Jews, did the Jews accept him? Of course not. In fact, the Bible says he came to his own and his own said, get out of here. Well, how about the Roman government when Jesus was here? Did they go, wow, we're glad you're the savior of the world? Yes or no? Of course, no. So understand, as you went through the book of Acts, was the Christian church different than the world? Well, of course, they were what? Persecuted, beaten. Well, how about this morning in most of the parts of the world? Is Christianity different? 
Of course, people are being killed every day that call themselves Christians all over our world. So here we are this morning. You shouldn't be shocked and you don't need to be fearful, but we live in a world that's countercultural. It's not for us. So can I just ask you to write the first thing down? And you might think this is a little strange, but it's actually exactly right. Jesus is saying as he's teaching, being countercultural actually helps the church. The church always absolutely goes crazy with success when it's persecuted. Now, I'm not here this morning to teach you to be persecuted. But you have to understand, this is a huge deal. So all through the teaching today, as we begin with a one-sentence kind of statement from Jesus, and we end with marriage, I want you to just turn to your neighbor and say this. God wants what is best for us. God wants what is best for us. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them right now. You see, if you're here this morning, by the way, the world would not agree with that. Because they don't know God. They don't know the character of God. And you're going to see that all through the teaching. So God wants what absolutely is best for us. And we begin with a statement that, well, when you see it from Jesus, you're going to go, really? No, exactly that. Because this statement that Jesus gives us demands that you and me examine my life. Here it is, Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me? Jesus speaking, Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say. Now, here's the definition of Lord. It's the owner, the master, the one that's in control. So Jesus gives this warning to his disciples and to you and me. He says, you call me Lord, I'm the one in control, But when I actually look at your life, he says, you're in control. And you only put me as Lord when it's convenient for you. See, lots of people today say they believe in Jesus. They're Christians. They're Christ followers. But yet they don't obey his commands. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. I mean, you can't go by it. What he's saying to all of us, he was saying to his disciples, saying to all those people, okay, stop right now and examine yourself. This is about not just saying the right thing, but actually living it, doing the right thing. And then Jesus gives us an illustration that's very simple for us. It's an illustration of the outcome of two things, obeying or disobeying. Another couple words you're going to hear all the way through it is wise or foolish. So here's the first thing. I'll give you the parts of the parable, and then we'll read the parable. So Jesus is going to talk about us building a house. It doesn't mean you're going over here to street X and build a house. He's talking about your life, your life. So it's my life on earth. Everyone here, everyone listening to me, the minute you're born, as you get old enough, you're beginning to build a life. It's a life that you're going to live here. As we live life, you all know this, storms come. So Jesus is going to talk about a storm. And that storm he's talking about is not a hurricane, a flood. It could be those things. It could be sickness. It could be a doctor's report. It could be all kinds of things. But it also has a spiritual aspect to it. So initially, it's the trials of everyday life. And you'll see in this parable, there's only two kinds of builders, wise and foolish. And they all experience storms. But the ultimate that Jesus ends with is the final 
storm. And that's when you and I stand before God on judgment day. It's appointed unto man once to die and after death, the judgment, all of us will stand there. So here's what Jesus is teaching. He says to these people, I want you to be successful building your life and I want you to end up in heaven. See, what did we just say? God wants the best for us. So he says, here is how to do it. We begin, verse 47. As for everyone who comes to me, and here's my words, and puts them into, hello, practice, I will show you what they're like. Now understand, this is different. Both of these builders are church people. Both of these builders hear God's word being taught. But the outcome is different. Because one hears and obeys, one hears and doesn't obey. This is not people on the street. This is not unbelievers. By the way, that's why we invite unbelievers, so they can hear the God. When we talk about marriage today and sex, sexuality, the world is clueless. The world is clueless because they don't know what God says. So you'll see this morning as we go through, both of these people... Uh, They're in church. They hear Jesus teaching. He's talking to them. They're there in the crowd. One believes and follows through. The other says, well, I believe, but they never follow through. So they really don't believe. Now, look at verse 48. They are like a man building a house, a life, who dug down deep, laid the foundation on rock, key word. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. So here's what you want to write. That rock foundation, first of all, is Jesus Christ. You can't become a Christian unless you come to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You see, 1 Corinthians 3 says this, no one can lay any other foundation, talking spiritually, than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. A church cannot be your foundation. A set of moral values cannot be your foundation. Your good works cannot be your foundation. The only reason a person gets to heaven is not because of their good works. Good works come after we're saved. We get there because of grace, God's amazing grace, and our belief, our faith in Jesus. So the first part of this rock is Jesus. But the second part that has great application here in this passage, as I'm building my life, That foundation is not only Jesus, it's my obedience. My obedience is what works with Jesus. Jesus is my foundation. My obedience is right on that rock. And so what we see is Jesus defines this lifestyle. This lifestyle. Here it is. Take a look at the next. And he's going to use the word wise. Wise. Hears and obeys. Everyone is listening to me right now. That's why we have a kids ministry. That's why we have a place for young kids. That's why we don't have uh, two-year-olds in the front row going, ah, because you can't hear me. Understand that. So hears and obeys the word. What's God call that person? A wise person. You're doing it right. Now, what does that bring me? Remember, what did we start with? What did I ask you to turn to your neighbor? God wants the best for who? For us, all of us. So if I obey, what happens to my life? Well, blessings, stability in the storms of life, they're coming. Don't worry. Some of you are in them this morning. Freedom. And eventually, what? Heaven. Eventually, heaven. So that's the wise person. Now, as you move past that, 
Here we come to the second. Look at verse 49. Jesus says this, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground. In Florida, what would the ground be? Sand, exactly right. Can you imagine building your house on the beach? Maybe not. Without a foundation. The moment the torrent, the storm came and struck the house, it collapsed. And its destruction, interesting words, was complete. It's finished. It's over. So here's what Jesus is saying. Write this down. The person hears. They even believe probably in the word. But they don't obey the word. What does Jesus call them? This is a foolish way to live. One who listens to the commands of Jesus and just basically does this. Well, I like that, but I don't like that. Speaking of the 4th of July, Thomas Jefferson, you remember, cut the Bible. He cut passages out of the Bible he didn't like. Well, hello. You can't be obeying God. Well, I don't like this one. This page is gone. This page is gone. (laughs) Realistically, that's what lots of Christians do. Well, I know that says that, but it really doesn't apply. No, all the Bible's true. And so what happens as I disobey God? Here it is. I get pained, choose to sin, choose to suffer. I get bondage. Many people think freedom. I can do what I want. That gives me freedom. No, the Bible says exactly the opposite in John chapter 8. That when you sin, you're in bondage to sin because you're actually letting Satan rule your life. The only way I can be free, John 8, don't have time to go there this morning, is absolutely staying in the word, obeying it and doing it. That's what true freedom is. So notice, pain, bondage, disaster results in this life. Here's the kicker. When you stand before God, you have no chance. Because you absolutely chose to do life your way. You know about God, but you don't know him. And so you're sentenced to hell, separation from God forever. Now notice, both builders finished their houses, their lives. But when the storms of life came, the final one, you can't overcome it. You'll never be successful in your life. Now, that goes to all the commands that Jesus gives us and God gives us in the word. Now, back in Matthew, Jesus also summarized this. And this is a pretty difficult one because so many people are deceived in thinking because they come to church, do good things. Maybe they give some money and they bring one can for one can every month. And, and thank you. Those are really great things. But look what Jesus says. Look at the verse, not everyone. Who says to me, here's those words again, Lord, Lord, you're my owner. You're the boss. You're the one in charge. Not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who, what? Does the will of my father who is in heaven. So what is the will of God? If getting into heaven is the will of God, what is the will of God? Well, the will of God first is what? Repent of your sins, become a Christian. What's the second part of the will of God? Obey the word of God. The will of God and the word of God are together. So what Jesus is saying to these people, you call me Lord, but you don't obey the word. Same exact principle. My will is given to you because I want, watch, you got to get this. Obeying this word 
is how we get the best from God. See, if you believe, well, really, Pastor Michael, yeah, all of it? Of course. And you're going to see why in a moment. So that is the best for all of us. It's not difficult. Sometimes it's hard, but it's not difficult because God helps us do it. So when you see this, what Jesus is saying is obeying God is not an option. It's essential. Now, he even gets worse with the warning. Now, why does God warn us? Is it bad or good for us when God warns us? Tell me. Okay, you guys are last night, and you have a three-year-old, and you're sending off cherry bombs in your driveway. And your little three-year-old gets a cherry bomb, and he's asking somebody to light it. Would you say anything to your child? Hello, hello, would you say anything to your child? Oh, go ahead, let's see what happens. No, if you loved him, you'd say what? Ah, get out of here. Watch what God warns. Let me read it to you, and you're going to go, wow, that's, that's pretty heavy. Well, sure it is, because you're here and you can make a difference. Here's what he says. This is on judgment day. When the verse I just read you is when they're before God, it's too late to change. See, when you die, that's it. Wherever you're either a believer or you're not. And he says this, then I will tell them the people that called him Lord, but didn't obey. I will tell them, I never knew you. You call me Lord, but I didn't have a personal relationship with you. I wasn't the Lord. You ran your own life. I never knew you. And then he says this, away from me. Nobody ever want to hear those words. Away from me, you evil doers. So if you're here this morning and not a believer, it's time to become a believer. He wants the best for you, and the best for you starts with salvation. And so he gives us these warnings because he loves us. Over and over and over again, the Bible just talks about the commands of God and obeying them. One time Jesus said this, if you love me, hunk your horn. That's the new translation I have. No, he didn't say that. Here's what he said. If you love me, you will obey what I command. I love you, Lord, and I'm going to do my own thing. It doesn't work. Now, when we begin to think about that, Pastor Mark, where did Jesus or God get the authority to command us to obey? I mean, who does he think he is? God? Hello? (laughs) Yes. So here's the truth. There's a key word in our teaching this morning. It's called authority. Here it is. Romans 13.1. All authority comes from who? So look at the bottom line. God alone has all authority. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what does that authority mean? Well, here's the definition. The power or the right to give orders, to make decisions, and to enforce the obedience by telling you, if you obey, good, great stuff. If you disobey, mm-mm, here's what's going to happen to you. You don't want that to happen to you. I love you. Don't disobey. So... The world will not agree with that at all. They don't think authority comes from God. They think authority comes from themselves. And you'll see what that looks like in a moment, especially even when we talk about marriage. Now, let's go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. Not hard to find in your Bible. If you've never opened a Bible, just open to the front part. Just open to the front part. And the first book is Genesis. Genesis, chapter 2. Now, here we begin to see how God created you 
and how God created me. It's powerful. Verse 15, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God, what's the next word? Commanded the man. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. By the way, the tree was in the center, was in the center. Jesus be the center right there. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree. This one was the one in the center. Knowledge of good and evil. I only have the knowledge of good and evil. You can't have the knowledge of good and evil. You don't have all authority. You don't have all wisdom. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So when God created man, you have to understand, he wants the best or the worst for us. Okay, seven of you are really excited with that. The rest of you, I'm going to pray for you. Does God want the best or the worst for us? He wants the best. He wants the best. So here's what you want to write down this morning. Once you get this, you'll understand it. God created Adam and you and me and Eve, and he designed man to, first of all, know him, to have a relationship with him. Second, to love him and show that by what? Obeying just as we read to you, and then to serve him with the gifts that God gives us. And last of all, a lot of people think this is an oxymoron. If I love God and obey God, you mean like I'm going to enjoy that? Absolutely, because he wants the best for us. So when you begin to see that, God says to Adam, I created you. Eve isn't on the scene yet, and I want the best for you. So I design you to obey me. But right from the beginning, what do we see of the history of man? Man believed in God. Of course, Adam did. He was talking with him, his creator. And he hears truth, words. Since God wanted man to love him from his heart, God gave man what? A free will. Here's your two choices. You can build wisely or you can build like a fool. You can include me as the foundation of your life or try to do life without me. You see, it's right from the beginning. It's the very same thing. He was testing the heart of man. And somebody stopped me recently, and I thought it was really good. He said to me, well, Pastor Mark, why did God make man who could sin? And I explained to him like this. He was a man. If you, as a parent, have your children, how would you like your children to respond to you when they get old enough to know, you know, not only say your name, but, you know, respond to you? Would you like your children to come to you and, and they were created that they could only say this, I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. How do you really feel? I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. How many remember the little dolls we used to have? You could pull the thing in the bag. I love you. I love you. I love you. How many think, wow, how many like your wife to say that to you? I love your husband. I love your husband. I love your husband. Somebody say, I haven't heard that for a long time. I kind of like it. (laughs) No, because it doesn't come from where? The heart. We heard today that merely hearing what Jesus has to say about being his disciple will end up with our going to hell. Pastor Mark taught on the way to avoid that tragic consequence and the joy it brings. Living a life for Christ requires that we not only hear what he has to say, but to do what he tells us we must do. Even though we can't do it all perfectly, we can do it in a way that pleases him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. In the next installment of this message, Pastor Mark will continue to teach about the difference between merely hearing and doing the words of Jesus. We will learn how our love for Jesus should compel us to do His commandments. We'll also be getting into how all these instructions about living for Christ relate to marriage and our sexual thinking and activities. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. Together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.